0: final hour of the People show Dan Riccio and Marcus Fitzgerald we're in the Kintech studio you're from uh you come out from Poco every day Marcus I do yeah last few days so you're the guy texting all the time Marcus and Poco <laughs>
1: so there really is a Marcus in Poco
0: Poco Marcus um What's there to do in Poco? If I were to if I were to take a Saturday afternoon and go to Port Coquitlam. The crunch.
1: Yes, that's that's good. But that's yeah.
0: The Coquitlam Crunch? The
1: Coquitlam Crunch. Yeah, we we kind of take that as our own. Um there's there's things you can do that I probably can't say in a family show. Just just go to the park and have a have a white claw and you're good. That's that's what Poco's for. Okay. Really it is. And there's actually like TikToks and memes that would suggest that you know what, there really isn't a lot to do necessarily <laughs> in Poco. You know, take a tube and go down the river kind of thing. But okay. that's 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 about it. Yeah. However, that being said, I grew up there, great place to grow up. Really it is. But there's just not a ton to do. You just gotta go a little further.
0: That's all. One of the things I uh as a as a non local I will show my non local colors right now. At what point does it become Poco? Like what? At what point does Coquitlam become Port Coquitlam?
1: Yeah, it's it's. Uh, <laughs> I know like, Westwood Avenue. Yeah, good. Thanks, Eddie. That's that's a good way to put it.
0: Yeah, no, it's just,
1: it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, I always thought growing up, okay, I'm from this big area, I'm from Vancouver. No, you're not. You're from Port Coquitlam, <laughs> and it's actually a very small town. There's like thirty-two thousand people. So by that number. Uh, you know, it's 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 it turns out I am from a small town, even though it didn't feel that way as a kid.
0: Small town, Marcus. Yeah, uh, there it is. That's that's all it was this whole time, <laughs> this whole time. Uh, let's bring in our next guest, uh, Gilbert McGregor, the Sporting News and the NBA Sound System Canada podcast joining us here on The People's Show and a uh, frequent guest on Basketball Central with uh, Marcus Fitzgerald as well. Thanks for this, Gilbert. How are you?
2: I'm doing well. How are you all doing? Uh
0: we're doing uh we're doing pretty well. We're getting uh getting excited for the uh Fiba World Cup and Canada finally putting together a roster that could get you excited in a big tournament. Is that is that how we're looking at it right now?
2: I think that's fair to say. I think it's more than fair to say. I I think obviously sometimes you see their list of guys and it's it's easy to think about the names that aren't on the list, but I think this time around you can get more excited or excited enough to focus on the names that are there that you're not that worried about the guys who aren't there. Um, You know, it'd obviously be great to have everybody, but that's kind of in a perfect world type deal. And looking at the the guys who are at training camp and and are potentially going to be going with the team uh, as they try to medal and try to, to qualify for the Olympics, I think it's something to be excited about.
1: Well, Gil, of course, it's never a perfect world for Canada basketball. There's always going to be guys missing. There's always going to be Perhaps. guys who are not available. Like you know me, as soon as the list came out, I thought, well, where's Benny Matherin? What's going on? <laughs> like, what about <laughs> what about this guy? But exactly two names that certainly popped out to me, and two names that popped out even to the casual fan. Uh, we finally did it, Gil. A Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Jamal Murray backcourt. Certainly the best backcourt Canada has ever had at any of these events. Uh, But when you think about how these two guys play, um, can they coexist? I know this sounds weird because it's a FIBA event. We're just sending our best, and you kind of put it together. Uh, But these guys are clearly going to start together. How is this going to work with the two of them in the same backcourt when you consider their size and having to eventually play defense at the other end of the floor as well?
2: (laughs) Right. You know, I actually go out and say this is probably the best backcourt that's going to be at the World Cup, let alone the best backcourt that the country has put uh, together. So when I look at it, I think the, the big part about that is is what you put around them or who you put around them, right? I think these two guys are so talented, they're so cerebral, they can figure it out. They're going to be figuring it out on the fly, but that's what training camp's about. Um, you know, we'll see what kind of positions that Jordy Fernandez puts these guys in. I think it's very helpful that Jordy Fernandez during his time with the Nuggets is very familiar with Jamal. So I think that'll help uh, the learning curve a little bit. But when you look at the rest of the team, you talk about the guys that you have on um, the perimeter defenders. And, and I guess the, the rangy guys, you start talking about, an O'Shea Brissett or Dylan Brooks or R.J. Barrett. That's kind of where they come in, their ability to complement those guys but it's going to be very interesting to see how the two feature guys and in, in Shea and Jamal kind of figure it out on the fly but you know with as good as they've played this past year and you can say that Shea is a top five top ten guy is an all-nba first team and then Jamal Murray plays like a top five guy when the stakes are highest as we saw during the playoffs so they should be able to figure it out I think it's just a matter of how quickly they can figure it out.
0: So how do they round out the the starting five then and, and where are they where are they strong where are they weak?
2: I think the, the, the biggest thing and I only I won't call it a weakness, but I think it's an area that is my biggest question mark would, would be that front court. Um, you know, you have Zach Eady and Dwight Powell and Kelly O'Linick is, is definitely a veteran who's played the game uh numerous times, but I look at France being in their group, and it's really between one of those two guys, those two teams who finish at the top of the group. But France does have uh, Rudy Gobert and say what you want about him. He's an excellent, excellent FIBA player, especially. So I look at that front court. It's going to be hard for them to run small ball lineups if they're going to try uh, to dominate like that. And if you get past that, you know, the other bigs that other countries will put out. The FIBA brand of basketball is a very – very physical brand of basketball, so I think it's going to be very important for them uh, to be able to match that physicality with the guys they put on the floor. Uh, I think it's it's important again to to mention those perimeter defenders that they have, um, the versatility of those guys. You know, uh, another guy to mention: Nikhil Alexander Walker, Lou Dort. Yeah. Um, and I think the other thing that's really important is it's probably not going to be a group of, of twelve NBA players or all NBA players. It'll, it'll be guys you know like a Melvin edgemore Kevin Pangos, um, guys who have. You know, that level of of expertise or that level of familiarity, um, you know, playing uh, on the FIBA level that will allow to kind of be glue guys to to allow things to kind of flow smoothly um, and also allow them to kind of have, uh, I guess, bridge the gap from the tournaments where these other guys couldn't play.
1: Well, you mentioned the physicality and and there should be plenty of it, Gil, uh, inside. I know Dwight Powell can provide that. Zach Eady, when he gets minutes, uh, just with his sheer size, should be able to provide that. And then you look at uh, the perimeter. We can talk about the offensive questions uh, with certain guys uh, you know, on the perimeter who will play with, with Jamal Murray and, and SGA, but one guy who plays with SGA regularly, uh, that would be Lou Dort, and Lou Dort is currently built like a NFL linebacker at this point. He seems to me like a prototypical FIBA perimeter guy. Is he... And I don't want to get into, like, power rankings, but you know me. I tend to do this. Would Lou Dort be, like, the third best guy with the bullet on this roster?
2: You know, I, I would definitely say the third most important, uh, if nothing else, because, you know, you talk about his body of work that we've seen uh, during the 82-game NBA season and the playing tournament as well. But And he's also played in the playoffs. But when you talk about what he's able to do, and and, and because he is built – like an NFL linebacker, as you said, he does have the capability to guard one through four um, and extended periods of time as well. So I think kind of having him to kind of be uh, kind of the wild card type guy where depending on what matchup they have, I think he, it's in his DNA to just kind of accept whatever responsibility it is and whoever it is, he doesn't really ask any questions. He just does it to the best of his ability. I was watching clips of him on defense, you know, one play guarding a point guard, the next play is guarding, a guy who's six foot eight, six nine. Um, you've given up a few inches on him, and he does a great job regardless of who it is. So think about him defensively, his importance, and then also Dylan Brooks. You know if Dylan Brooks is, is going to be with this team as well. He's another guy who we you could talk a lot about what his shot selection or, or you know his tendency to 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 be mouthy, but he's another defender who's an all defensive uh, team player, and that's not. Uh, something that, that definitely comes lightly is being one of the best 10 defenders in the NBA. So those two guys and, and defensive men, I think that can allow them to, to get an advantage uh, with their ability to guard multiple positions.
1: Uh, R.J. Barrett, uh, sometimes we get good R.J., sometimes we get <laughs> bad R.J. Uh, we have uh, somewhat of a sample of what FIBA R.J. is. Mm-hmm. What type of R.J. could we see uh, at the World Cup when it gets started on August 25th?
2: If Lou is the most important player, I do think that RJ is probably the X factor, right? I, you know, we, we've seen, you know, the, the good and the bad, but I do think that um, different from last time during the Olympic qualifiers a few years ago, he does get to take not necessarily a back seat, but he's not necessarily going to be the focal point specifically if he's playing alongside Shea and Jamal. He, he gets the luxury of kind of being that tertiary option. Um, And I think that would be great for him. You know, we've seen him have great performances with the Knicks. Uh, We see what he's capable of doing when he's locked in, when he's focused. I think that there being less defensive attention on him, I think we'll be able to see uh, what he's doing. There's videos of him working out, and we know it's the summer workout videos, but he's working on that right hand. Um, He's never going to be the most explosive guy, but, again, um, he'll have opportunities to get into his spots. And and I expect him to really impress, uh, especially looking better alongside the guys he can play next to.
1: Well, I just had this thought with Jamal Murray as well. He's coming off the championship. He was exceptional during that playoff run. Uh, And and you look at this tournament, uh, France is in the group uh, with Canada. Top two teams advanced out of the group. No Wemby for France, but they do uh, still have, you know, quality NBA players. You mentioned Rudy Gobert. I'm sure Nicholas Batum is going to be involved heavily as well. Um, And not to compare Jamal Murray to uh, 92 Dream Team MJ, but – (laughs) Jamal is coming in, Gil, off a championship. Do you feel like he's going to have that confidence? He's going to have the ability to walk into camp and say, okay, I'm here, I'm the guy. If you need an alpha, uh, is it going to be Jamal or is it going to be SGA? And will there be a bit of a battle there to figure that out?
2: You know, I think, again, we talked about whether or not it's a perfect world. I think in a perfect world it will depend on whoever night it is. Um, But uh, ultimately I do think that somebody – probably is going to have to take that step back. And honestly, I think the candidate, the better candidate for it might be Shea, given the fact that he's a little bit taller. That being said, I mentioned it a little bit before, but Jamal Murray, um, we've seen him in the playoffs in the bubble, this past year in the playoffs. And in the limited times that he's been able to represent uh, Canada on an international level, he seems to just be a different type of player when the stakes are the highest. And I kind of that to say, I think that if anything, if, if, if an Olympic qualifying birth is on the line or if, if moving on to the knockout stages on the line, I feel like that is when he's at his best. And, you know, being slightly older than Shea as well, I could see him being the guy, you know, for those reasons and others. But, you know, it, it's definitely not a bad dynamic to have if he gets doubled or they try to get the ball out of his hands, and now you got Shea uh, waiting to, to catch it on the wing as well to make a move because how clutch he was last year, one of the most clutch players in the NBA. So um, if I had to say right now, it does really feel like Jamal is going to be that guy when the moments are the biggest. But uh, I, I think Shea will be right there to to kind of be that secondary guy.
1: There's been so much disappointment over the years. There was a loss to Venezuela in 2015 that they probably should have had. They've had their opportunities uh you know to get to the olympics in the past and and they've kind of you know not not let us down but there's certainly been those moments where you know they've left stuff on the table this is canada's best roster it's their best group despite the fact that there are still guys who are not there uh are they the team at this tournament with the most pressure on them going in is that fair to say
2: I do think there is a lot of pressure on them. I think it would be them, and and in a weird way, I think the United States would be right there as well. They're putting together uh, that interesting roster. They're they're going with young guys, um, and they're they're looking to kind of make that seventh-place finish in 2019 a distant memory. I know they got gold at the Olympics, but still uh, there's a bad taste in, in their mouth. Uh, from that, and then the defending champion uh, Spanish team as well. But when you talk about uh, this Canada national team, I think, as you mentioned, and and as we see, you know, with the uh, immense amount of Canadian talent entering the league year after year, um, this is looks to to be a launching pad, you know, moving forward and and what they can do, um, you know, knowing that not that many teams from the FIBA Americas are going to get a little qualification from this tournament, so having to fend off and, and go against uh, or I guess the, the spots that are up for grabs, the two spots between the United States and the Dominican Republic has Carl Anthony Towns and Al Horford likely playing for them. It's not going to be easy. So um, there's an opportunity for them uh, to really have lay down a really large building block. And, and there is pressure that comes with that. But I do think it's the good kind of pressure because um, things should only be going up from here. Uh, but, but there definitely is some pressure that they're facing.
0: We have a question from a listener on who you think the non-NBA players will be on the roster when the tournament starts.
2: Uh, you know, I mentioned a few names. Uh, Melvin Edgem is, is, is a, is a uh, Canadian national team veteran, uh, and it does help that he and I have the same uh, alma mater. We went both at the Brewster Academy, so he's a guy I'm very familiar with, uh, with what he does, and I think he's a, an important player with the way he kind of can play, multiple positions in that front court. Um, Kyle Alexander is a guy who could, round out the front court rotation. He did spend some time in the NBA uh, with the Heat a few years back. And then Kevin Pangos is another guy who I could see, um, you know, being. And if I want to throw another name in there, it could be Trey Bell Haynes. But those are the ones who really stand out to me. Um, and obviously I have no say over the roster decisions, and it could be a completely different group than the one I, I said. But when I look at the roster and the names that they have and also the, the construction of the roster and how they're going to try and do things, uh, those names stand out the most to me. Uh,
1: uh, we'll let you out on this one, Gil. Uh, Dame Lillard. Are, are you tired of all this stuff?
2: <laughs> I'm getting tired of it, my goodness. But <laughs> I think the biggest thing is I, I kind of have to brace myself because this has the feeling of something that's going to continue to drag out for a while. Before the request even happened, I felt like it was going to drag out into the regular season. Now the request happened. It seems like we're going uh, in circles with that. So, so we'll see uh, how long it takes, but it certainly feels like it's not going to be anytime soon.
0: What do you think of the NBA sending out that memo regarding the trade request? They're they're trying to just like take away any kind of player empowerment that they possibly can here.
2: It's interesting because I understand the one hand of it, like you know, yeah, he's contractually obligated to, to play wherever he goes, and and I feel like they want to uh, discourage um, the reports of his agent saying he's only going to play uh, in one place. But we've seen this. Uh, story before, it, albeit a little bit differently, um, you know, with Anthony Davis wanting to go to the Lakers and another players saying, I'd like to be traded to this place. I think the the leverage and, and the assets that are maybe not available to be offered in this, this time around makes it a little bit of a different situation. So I think that's why the NBA decided to say something, because um, the way it's dragging out, there, there, there's probably going to be somebody uh, a little unhappy, whether it's the teams involved in the trade or the teams around the league. So I think it was they felt it was best to say something as soon as they could.
0: Hey, Gilbert, really appreciate the time. Thanks for this. Thanks, Gil.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, guys.
0: Uh, there is uh, Gilbert McGregor with the Sporting News and NBA Sound System Canada podcast, where you can check him out uh, for more and also a regular on uh, Basketball Central with Marcus Fitzgerald here on Sports at 650.
1: He is one of the best one of my favorites and uh, yeah some good stuff we can we can be excited about Canadian basketball which is something that we haven't been able to say for quite a while but now it's now it's here although they have to be successful for once like yeah. I, I mentioned to Gil, like you know they've had their disappointments yes. in recent years and and uh, these are our best guys now again missing players there is no Andrew Wiggins and the Andrew Wiggins of the national team that's been a long-standing thing goes back a long ways there's clearly something there but you're missing guys like Benny Matherin and, and Andrew Nembhard, also not. Uh, with the group, so it'll be interesting to see what this roster is going to look like, but just get out of the group and go from there. France is the one team that, you know, appears to be a threat, even though they won't have Victor Wambanyama, so that's good uh, from a Canadian standpoint, but they should be in a scenario where they get out of this group, and if we go from there, we just go to the Olympics and finally get there for the first time when it feels like 100 years.
0: Finally. All due respect to, like, Rudy Gobert and uh, Nick Batum and Frank and Kitalina, Nando DiColo. Frankie Smokes. Uh, yeah, I still think Canada should. Uh... They
1: should. Yes, they absolutely should. There's no reason they shouldn't. They should. Like have... there are a few teams more talented than Canada in this tournament. Few teams more talented than Canada just overall, just, yes. just in general. Like it, it's the like we're at a point now, Dan, where it's like it's the Americans, and then we're right there. Yeah, there's more Canadians uh, than any other nation other than the states in the NBA right now. That's not an accident. We're finally at this point, but they have to produce. They have to win. Maybe they can this time around. I do,
0: I do like that the uh, conversation has sort of shifted to just like okay uh, Wiggins you don't want to play for Canada then screw off bug that, off we're not, yes. gonna, we're not we're not going to waste too much time yes. trying to figure That's out why Andrew Wiggins doesn't want to play for Canada you know and more focused on what's going on how are they going to work it with this group of players and you know all right if Jamal Murray and Shea Gilgus-Alexander are going to be our leaders. Well, then, let's figure out how to make this work best rather than worry about the guys who aren't here.
1: And, and the great thing is uh, they can figure out a way to make it work the best with Jamal Murray, who's coming off an NBA title and coming up playing his best basketball of his career. Two years removed from a torn ACL. That guy's playing with more confidence than anybody in basketball right now. And then Shea Gilders alexander a top-five, top-ten guy in the NBA, a first-team All-NBA guy. And Oklahoma City, when you want to look at teams going into next season who could make that jump, who could be this year's Sacramento Kings, uh, the Thunder are going to be that group, and SGA is going to be at the forefront of all of that. So there is just so much excitement around this roster and especially around those two guys being the lead dogs, if you will. Knowing that we have those guys back there, I think uh, this country is finally going to be okay on the international stage. I don't foresee any upsets, any any wild losses, no Venezuela stuff in 2015. That's all done. We're all past that. They're going to go in. They're going to come out of this group, and they go from there.
0: And we'll see them in the Olympics eventually, I'm sure. Uh, it should be uh, pretty good to see what happens with Canada at the FIBA World Cup coming up later this month. So um, we mentioned Damian Lillard there. Look, I have my thoughts on the whole trade request thing and also being like, ah, there's only one team I want to go to. Like, you know, kind of buzz off with your trade request there, Dame. Dame. But the NBA making a point to be like, we, we don't look fondly on this sort of situation that's playing out right now and making that known to the NBA Players Association and everybody else it it does feel like uh, Adam Silver saying, I know you guys think you hold all the cards. Hold on a second. Yeah. I still got some cards to play, too. That's right.
1: And, and, I, and I think this that's what this comes down to, because Adam Silver has been touted as this player's commissioner. He just yes. transfers everything over to the players. And for the most part, he has. But when you have guys... See, the NBA players have figured this out, and I think hockey players are getting there, too. Matthew Kachuk sort of is is one of those guys, even though Kachuk went to the Flames of the year left and said, hey, I'm not going to sign
0: long-term, trade me now. Too many hockey players are soft when it comes to their contracts. Yes,
1: yes. What the NBA players have figured out, no, we're going to get the contract now, and then we're going to ask for the trade because— any contract is tradable. That's been proven to be true in the NBA. There's a star and he wants out. It'll get done and eight draft picks will come back the other way and this and that. But I think we've seen enough of that now where Adam Silver's like, you know what? At the end of the day, I don't know that this is best for the NBA. And also this is a situation where Damian Lillard is like the Sedines in Portland. He is that guy. And for Dame to come out and say for years that he wants to win in portland he's loyal he wants to stay there this and that for him to come out and say okay now it's time but i just signed that contract a year ago like dan he signed the contract and at a press conference on july 9th of last year to talk about how excited he was to stay in portland how happy he was to continue to be a blazer and now a full year later ah, you know what I've had enough. Yeah. I'm out. I'm done. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to suppress my market entirely to the point now where the Heat are not only waiting on this to get done, but the Heat don't necessarily have the best offer. And the Blazers, there's no benefit to them to make that deal. So now you've got a situation where Miami is waiting to trade for Dame so they can fill out the rest of their roster. But what if that trade doesn't go down? What does Miami do? Now they got to run it back with a bunch of guys like Tyler Hero, like Nikola Jovich, who have heard for two months that they're going to be traded. That doesn't work well either. And I I think Adam Silver is stepping in, and he's trying to find a way not to stop the player empowerment because, in a way, that's been good for the NBA because it keeps the league in the conversation all year long. That's why we're talking about it right now. But at the same time, when you got guys moving around all the time That can reflect poorly, and it's almost like, yeah, you're right, Adam Silver has reached that breaking point where it's like, okay, finally i got to step in and put my foot down, because that's not something he's done in prior years.
0: Well, I think it's also something for small market owners that are like, you know, we do everything we can to make our star players happy, and yet they're still trying to find a way to get to the same four teams in the league. (laughs) You know, and uh, sure, Denver is uh, has won. We've seen the the Raptors win, the Bucks won. So some smaller market teams have won uh, in the NBA. They've won the Larry O'B. But it seems to be almost against all odds that yes. you are able to keep your stars as a smaller market team, or you have to have a lot more things go right for you. You have less margin for error than the Bostons, the the Lakers, and you know the Miamis of the world have.
1: Yes, because even when you have Giannis Atena with two, three years left on his extension, what's the chatter always like? The chatter always is, Oh, clock is ticking. Yeah. Luka Doncic in Dallas. Well, they better get it right because the clock is ticking. Luka may decide to march into that room where Mark Cuban is and say, Hey Cubes. It's time. Yeah. I would like out totally different mindset in the NBA makes it fun for guys like us, but I understand why those in the NBA head office are like, you know what? Maybe we don't need to, you know, uh, have our fans see this every summer
0: and every summer here on out for the rest of time, because it's really felt like that for at least the last decade. Well, and even if you are a smaller market team, that's, you know building towards something and Dame Lillard comes on the trade market and it's like okay now w- this is what we've been looking for we can make our Kawhi Leonard type trade yes. and Dame's like no I'm just I am wa- <laughs> not going to do I, that I only want to go to Miami
1: <laughs> I'm not going to report although I also feel I have like- no interest
0: in playing for the Oklahoma City Thunder thank <laughs> yeah, you very much please
1: don't send me there uh, <laughs> I also feel like though it's like I know that Dame loves. He seems like one of those guys. He's kind of like Kevin Durant. Like, and I know Kevin Durant. Like, he he forces his way to different situations all the time. But Kevin Durant loves basketball. Damian Lillard loves the game. I just feel like. He's too married to the game to be traded to like a like a Minnesota like yes. a situation like that. He, I'm sure he would go to Minnesota and play. He might be grumpy. They might have to convince him, but I'm sure he would play. It, it wouldn't be a scenario where okay, you can send me there, but I'm sitting. Oh, you're gonna sit for four years? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think so. Um,
0: fascinating situation. Uh, it's. Probably not going to be solved anytime soon, but we'll see what ends up happening with Damian Lillard. Uh, All right, final segment of the show coming up. We'll play Puck Doku and uh, get in a few more thoughts on uh, the National Hockey League. It is Dan Riccio, Marcus Fitzgerald, The People's Show, Sports at 650. final segment of the people show Dan Riccio Marcus Fitzgerald we've got uh, producers Eddie Gregory and Ben Vassarin with us here today uh, we're gonna play poke uh, puck doku before the uh, before the day is out Eddie Eddie had a great idea great challenge for us on a daily basis for puck tooku. since we're at the point now where we play it so often we have to challenge ourselves in different ways. Uh, This one is, uh, well, Eddie came up with the idea. As we were talking about Mike Zillinger yesterday, players in the NHL that have played for 10 teams or more. Help
3: tick off a few boxes in the game. Yeah. Yeah, A lot
1: lot of, a lot of free squares on here. Although not as many names
0: as I would have thought.
3: Um,
0: The list is not very long. (laughs) It is uh, a total of nine players.
3: But think of all the possible teams and combinations you might be able to hit on that. It's not just Mike Sillinger that played
0: for more than 10 teams. Uh, we can add Michelle Petit to the list. Yes, we can. J.J. Daniel great former Canuck. Uh, Jim Dowd. Also another former Canuck. Uh, Ole Jokinen, That surprised me. Yeah. Ole Because he
1: was regarded as a pretty good player in like the late aughts, the early 2010s, right? Yeah. I mean, I
0: barely remember him as an L.A. King and they drafted him. <laughs>
1: I was in Southern Alberta when they uh, when the Flames traded for him. But I got it, that was him a and, big deal then. I got
3: him and Ackie Berg mixed up back in the day. Oh <laughs> there's, yeah, there's a poll too. That's a Ackie good one.
0: Akiberg, jeez. Uh, everybody knows this one, Matthew Schneider. A lot of these guys, former Canucks. Hey? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dominic Moore didn't didn't take him for a ten team guy. Dominic Moore, former ballyhooed uh, Maple Leaf at one uh, point. Not like I know he was pretty like you know he danced around a little bit, but ten teams,
3: jeez. His brother is more well known for his ties to Vancouver. Uh, yes, very much so.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Lee Stempniak, good old Lee Stempniak, bounced around towards the end of his career, and uh, Derek Brassard, who's coming a little bit more of the uh, modern day Mike Silver. Yeah,
1: that's that's a good one, actually. He's uh he's he's quite a suitcase. Oh, <laughs> but always in the news. Like, oh yeah, we we acquired Derek Brassard today. Well, we got some, some veteran help up front. Well, that's good. There you go.
0: Uh, he is uh, certainly well liked by teams that uh, are looking for a fourth line center these days. Uh so uh, we'll try to work one of those names into our uh, Puckdoku puzzle for today. We've uh, had some uh, people get mad that we haven't talked enough baseball this afternoon. Uh the trade deadline not yet complete. It's more of a uh final 25 minutes of the MLB trade deadline going on. The Blue Jays uh, as we know they went after Jordan Hicks from the St. Louis Cardinals. They uh called back the Cardinals today, said, hey, we want a shortstop. Yeah, we might need an extra body. Yeah, we'll take Paul DeYoung <laughs> off your hands. Hey, you got one? And uh, they've done that. And uh, the Blue Jays have also been named as uh, maybe the front runner for Teoscar Hernandez from the Seattle Mariners, who have decided uh, it's probably not our year, so we're going to sell off some pieces, contend with what we've got, and if not, We'll come back better for it next year.
1: Well, you were talking about this before the show, too. It's very uh, cut and dry in baseball, it seems. Where You know.
0: It's got the best trade deadline in all sports Yeah.
1: One thing that you don't want to be in baseball is in the middle somewhere. You either are in contention to win a World Series or you are not, period. And we just trade everybody and the fan base has to live with it, period. That's it. And I think baseball does a good job with that. And you're you're talking about that earlier today, like even the Teoscar and Ennis thing, like oh, okay, he, he could be coming back. Yeah, really. <laughs>
0: oh. Well, the Jays are kind of in a funky spot. They feel like they are a top-end team. They feel like they are a contender. A lot of their metrics suggest they are even better than what their record is, and they have a pretty good record, even though they are sitting third in the AL East. It's a really tricky situation because anytime they've played against the quality teams in their division, the Orioles, they get spanked, the Rays, they get smoked, they play the Red Sox, and they get cranked. Like, it doesn't matter who they play in the AL East, the Jays are probably losing that game. Yeah. And, and it happened again last night against the Orioles.
1: It has, yeah. No, that, that division is beating them like a drum the entire season. And, and they're great against the rest of the bigs. Anywhere else they go, they
0: look like the team that we kind of expect to see. So you question just how good the team is. Certainly I've questioned all season long how good the team is and whether or not they can actually make a playoff run. But you've got the clock ticking on Vladimir Guerrero. You've got the clock ticking on Bo Bichette. You've only got so many more kicks at the can with these guys before either you're paying the mega deals or you know, they're moving on for what they believe is greener pastures and free agency. So it's a tough spot. You've got You're not quite where the Angels are right now. No, and thank goodness. But they are in a similar spot where it's, All right, we got to go because we got these guys on our roster. And as long as we've got these guys on our roster, we feel like we need to contend. So let's go out and add a few pieces and try to get there. So that's where the Jays are right now. I just, even with the moves that they've made before three o'clock, I'd love to see them add another sort of big bat because it's the thing that keeps popping up. They can't score enough runs. They can't give themselves enough breathing room in games there is too many nights where they've left too many men on with runners in scoring positions. Yeah, there's been a lot of that. That's right. And it's just incredibly frustrating for a team that's got a great starting rotation, that's got a – like last night, you know, you've got Chris Bassett who gives up four runs over six, and you feel like that's a bad start. You know, for a lot of teams, that's not a bad start.
1: Yeah, <laughs> today anyway.
0: But that's one of the worst starts that the Jays are getting these days with the quality of their rotation. Their bullpen doesn't give up a ton – Now you've already added Jordan Hicks to that. It's just, they they need more offense. They've got to find more offense in this lineup, and uh, it'll be a bit of a failed deadline if they don't find something before uh, before 3 o'clock hits. Sounds like we're just waiting on Teoscar
1: Hernandez at this point because the report came out. It's like, well, if it's out there where there's smoke, there's fire.
0: But even Teo, you know, like, I'm kind of done with that, you know. I wouldn't mind a uh, little bit of, Canadian flavor a little bit of BC flavor on the Jays roster why not call the Cardinals back one more time and see if Tyler O'Neill is available in trade
1: yeah maybe he could be and the one Cardinals Maple are, Ridge's finest
0: the Cardinals are clearly open to it Paul Car- Young sure here you go Cardinals are trading everybody
1: which sounds weird for an organization like that yep they always seem to be in contention they always have the big names one of the best fan bases not only in all of baseball but uh in all the sports it's been just an awful year In St. Louis, which is rare.
0: I do wonder how many Mariners fans out there were super excited about this year, building off of what was such a fun run to the playoffs last year and the big win over the Blue Jays in the playoffs and shutting up all the Canadians. Didn't even get to bring the Blue Jays back to Seattle. They just swept them in Toronto. Mm -hmm. It's been a really big disappointment and they've had a lot of the same problems that the Jays have had this year but just to a larger extent they've pitched pretty well their bullpen's been fine defense has been fine they just can't get enough hits on a nightly basis they can't find a way to get enough hits and Jerry Depoto, who's like the MLB's ultimate wheeler and dealer the Jim Rutherford of Major League Baseball but 10 times that has just said you know what this ain't our year Let's try and recalibrate and come back stronger next year. And they're trading whatever pieces they can in order to make that happen. But the way that Jerry Depoto's reputation has been, he's never afraid to make the deal that's going to make the team better once the offseason hits. And no. I think Mariners fans have probably appreciated that.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, I would I would say so too. I, I think uh, you know the Mariners and, and their fans are in, in a much better situation with, with Jerry DePoto, you know, going forward for the next couple of years here as opposed to, say – and we spent some time talking about what the angels are doing again you know with 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 Shohei Ohtani it's like just figuring out where you're going to be but not figuring it out too late, cuz far too often in in sports and it doesn't matter if it's in baseball hockey basketball whatever far too often you have an ownership group or or a front office group that you know kind of kind of misjudges things as far as where the team is what the window is and they make moves that don't really make sense. And then you it's like, well, okay, why'd you make this move? Because it contradicts with what you said to the media and this and that. Like, we get into that all the time, at least in Seattle. And you know what? Even in Toronto, like you just said, like, hey, we've got these guys now. Bichette is here. I know Bichette is hurt right now. He's day-to-day, which is probably the best news the Jays could have gotten today. Uh, You know, they're on the clock a little bit uh, with Vlad Jr. But at least ownership in the front office has realized this and said, okay, you know what? This is the group right now. We're going to add to this because— Let's be honest. As bad as the Blue Jays have been in the American League East this season, that can't continue through the beginning of October, can it? <laughs> like I, I know it's August the first, <laughs> but yeah. they're, surely they're not going to be swept by the Orioles over the next three days, are they?
0: Baseball, even more so than hockey, is a just get in type of sport. You know. Oh, I, I would put I would put baseball at the top of the list for that. For the just get in. Yeah, a very very high variance sport, extremely random. Yes. Yeah. Anybody can win a three-game series, you know. <laughs>
1: all, all you need is one pitcher to get lukewarm sometimes.
0: Yep. You need uh, a couple of weird bounces, and all of a sudden, you're into the World Series. I mean, we've seen it happen quite a bit. We saw it happen last year with the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah. Um, and people will say, well, you, you saw it with the Florida Panthers this year. I mean, the Panthers team was pretty good. so They, they won the President's Trophy the prior yes. season, didn't they? And they added Matthew Kachuk. Yes, so." They did you know kind of apples and oranges but baseball has long been a sport where you get into the playoffs and a little bit of anything can happen it's just for the longest time it was so difficult to get to the playoffs because what four teams made it you had the <laughs> yeah, three division winners and the one <laughs> wild card
1: team now it's wide open
0: it's now great. it's wide open you had an extra three playoff teams in each in each uh in each league and it's like okay <laughs> a lot more variance can happen now and uh, we're going to see that it's inevitable that it's going to happen. And right now the Blue Jays, you know, as much as yeah, I can see where the flaws are in this team, it's also you get hot for a month in October and they're going to be a buzzsaw in the playoffs if this uh, offense at any point really gets heated up and if Vladimir Guerrero Jr. goes on any kind of you know, consistent form which we haven't really seen from him, but if if the thing that's holding you back is the inability to knock runners in when you've got them in scoring position, that's one of those things that feels... Fixable? Lucky. Or, I guess the proper term would be unlucky. Eventually, you think that's going to turn around for you.
1: I'm sure George Springer can't keep doing this
0: It's like... forever. Name your favorite NHL player that's had a down year with shooting percentage. The opposite of Andre Kuzmenko. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: right. I wonder if that's going to come down this year.
0: If you're hitting 200 or a buck 80, whatever it is, 240, I think it is for the Jays with runners in scoring position. Eventually, you feel like that's going to turn around. Problem is, it's been happening going all the way back to last year. So you're starting to wonder if it's a team thing and how these guys approach their at bats. With the Blue Jays and runners in scoring position, a couple of uh, texts coming in. Otani will be a Mariner next year. I'd love to see if uh, the Seattle Mariners would open up the coffers that much to sign Shohei Otani. I guess they did it with Robinson Cano, but yeah, maybe they're it's,
1: it's happened.
0: Maybe they're a little bit uh, gun shy after how badly that went with Robinson Cano.
1: Although, although like you know, Shohei Otani is also a little better than Robinson Cano. Yes. However, an Otani deal would be about $400 million more than what they gave Robinson Cano, so there's that too. It's it's a very pricey ticket, and we've seen, we've literally witnessed it with the Angels over the last few years. It's like, you can have Otani on the roster,
0: but uh, you need more than him. Uh, This text says, uh, all this talk of Teoscar coming back, it would be helpful, but the Jays really needed a good left-handed bat. They really need a good... Lefty—that's where they've been lacking the last couple of years. Their lineup has been predictably right-hand heavy for too long now, and it is predictable. Uh, it would have been nice if the Cubs were trading Cody Bellinger, but doesn't look like they no, will be. That trading would have been solid, Cody Bellinger. But that would have been the bat that I think would, for me, have been the perfect fit for the Blue Jays on the trade market. We'll see what they do in the next uh, fifteen or so minutes before the major league ba- trade major league baseball trade deadline comes to a close. All right. We're going to close out the show the way we always do here in the summer. And that's by playing a little bit of puck. Doku producer, Ben getting the, uh, the great music fired up here. Puck Doku today. We'll see how many of our, uh, list of guys that we can use uh our categories today on the uh columns we've got the ducks la kings and new jersey devils i'm sorry those are the rows the columns we have the ottawa senators dallas stars and uh team usa so anybody that's uh americano papa americano uh all right first box we got nine boxes can only use uh One player for each box, obviously, has to have played for both of those teams. Fits the criteria. Can only use one player throughout the whole puzzle. Ottawa and Anaheim is our first box.
1: See, Ottawa is such a forgettable franchise for me that I have trouble rattling down those rosters in my brain. I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about the Ottawa Senators in my life. So this is a challenge.
0: The Ottawa Senators and Anaheim Ducks. I feel like there's uh, got to be some names. There's always some names. Sean Van Allen. I mean, Eddie's just. That's why we have Eddie here. Coming out of left field with that. <laughs>
1: He's so good at this. Sean Eddie Van Allen. Eddie would be the guy
3: Allen? that, if I was stranded on an island and needed somebody for this game, I'd call Eddie. You had to go nine for nine in order to survive and yes, get I'm off. calling Eddie. That's <laughs> I'm right. Calling Eddie. <laughs> like to call a friend?
0: Like to call Eddie, please? Sean Van Allen 650 650 on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh Bobby Ryan, good name. Oh yes. Probably yes, one of course. the more common ones. Love the listeners uh, chiming in. Um we're not going to do better than Sean Van Allen from a Of course uh, not.
1: Played 14 years from 1990 to 2004. Like that's going back. Okay. common
0: from a commonality perspective, we're going under 1% with Sean Van Allen. The Anaheim Ducks and the Dallas Stars are next on the list. Well, Corey Perry, that's is that, is that is that obvious? Like 40%
1: obvious? Yeah. Okay. Uh,
0: John Klingberg would also be yep. yes. an easier name on this list. we got to try and look through the <laughs> what about, what about my annals guy? of history.
1: What about my guy, Tony Herkus? Did he ever play for the Ducks? <laughs> More of a San Jose guy, I believe. Okay, all right. I know he played for the Stars at one point. Tony Herkus.
3: What are these names we're even coming up with here? <laughs> Joe Mail. <Mayo? laughs> Frankly, they say. Perkins is the guy that got punched out just the day before the draft, and then when he gets picked, you see with was shiners under his eyes. Okay. How yeah. about
0: Sean Horkoff? Sean Horkoff, I think he works. He was uh, known best as an Edmonton oiler, anyway, played with Dallas. Former Chilliwack chief. I want to throw that
3: out, too. That's for Eddie.
0: I think his last year in the in the show was probably in Anaheim.
3: Why are you dumping that on me when you were the voice of the Chilliwack Chiefs? The a BCHL a while.
1: reference, Eddie. We could I look know. at each other and, and give us you know the the fist bump. I know. The Take credit for it though. You worked for the Chiefs
3: back in the day. All right. Fifty nine games reach to end his
0: career with uh-huh. Anaheim. Ah, there you go. Uh, wow, we got some good names coming in on the text inbox. Stefan Robida.
3: Oh, Robida good Island.
0: Uh, Ryan Garbutt. Who's thinking of Ryan Garbutt these days? His family. Ryan Garbutt works. Uh, We'll go with Ben's answer. Sean Horkoff. Fire it up. Another under one percenter. Uh, Anaheim, Team USA. Is this where uh, our list can come into play?
3: Matthew Schneider.
0: Did uh, Schneids play with Anaheim? I guess he did. Who didn't he play with? Did Bobby Ryan make a Team
1: USA or did... He was on the Olympic team in Vancouver. Brian Burke made Mm -hmm. an example out of him or something. I can't remember if it was him or not. Uh,
0: Bobby Ryan, yep. Let's go with our list. Matthew Schneider, we said we'd use the list. Okay, that's our free space. 0.3%. Man, the end of Matthew Schneider's career is just unbelievable. He was just like, you know what? I'll play anywhere. He left Detroit, goes to Anaheim, Atlanta, Montreal, Vancouver,
3: Phoenix. NHL contracts offered, will play.
0: It's like uh, Chris Chelios at the end of his career. AHL team, no problem. I'll play. <laughs> I'll suit up. <laughs> I can give you 10 minutes. LA Kings and Ottawa Senators. Uh, ben Bishop.
1: I feel like we... We suggested Ben Bishop.
0: Did we have a recent LA Kings and Ottawa category? Are we doubling up on these categories? No,
1: but there was a there was a Ben Bishop that we worked in there somewhere. Maybe it was like Tampa Bay and Dallas. Ottawa or something like that.
0: Dallas. Yeah. Uh the LA Kings and Ottawa Senators. Um I'm trying to think of some more random names.
3: Steve Weeks, former Canuck goaltender. You're looking for a deep cut. That is
0: definitely a deep cut.
1: (laughs) I'm laughing because Eddie's amazing at this. That's that's why.
0: Steve Weeks. (laughs) Uh, Not Kevin, Steve. Would Peter Schaefer work? No. Didn't play for L.A.
1: Yeah, that Ottawa thing. This is a real wrench.
0: Did uh, Ray Emery play for the L.A. Kings?
1: I wanna say that he did. The late Ramry.
0: I'm too uh, I'm too iffy on that one. I don't know. I'm for not sure.
1: sure. I'm not sure. Was Roman Chechmanic another Is <laughs> he a senator? We're <laughs> throwing out goalie names now. He was one of the few bad goalies that didn't play for Ottawa, I think. That's right. So he went to the other bad goalie spot. Philadelphia, Philadelphia.
0: Uh in the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Marion Gabrick. That works. Christian Wallanin also works. Oh, gotta go with the current Canuck, Christian Willanon. Sat's favorite son. Uh LA Kings and Dallas Stars is next on the list. We gotta speed it up here.
3: Daryl Sador.
0: Yep. Daryl Sador comes in. 7%er. LA Kings team USA. LA Kings Team USA. Hmm. Jonathan Quick. Jonathan
3: Quick, yeah. Dustin
0: Brown. Ah, uh, Dustin Brown. That works. 33%. Ugh. Oh, well. Uh, New Jersey Devils and Ottawa Senators. Curtis Lecision ever end up in uh, New Jersey?
3: Probably not. Not ringing a bell.
0: I'm just throwing out random Ottawa Senators. Let's remember I some guys. Sergey remember Breland. Remember for no reason at all. Sergey Breland. <laughs>
3: I think Breland was a lifetime devil.
0: Yeah. Brian Smolinski?
1: You know what? I yeah. think he, he
0: would have worked with uh, L.A. And, and Ottawa. Yes. Du, 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 du.
3: Craig Billington as a goalie.
0: Uh, did Martin, uh, Sean Avery, did he play with Ottawa?
3: No. No. He did
0: not. Sean Sean Avery never played in the Canadian market, did he? We keep getting Scott Gomez on the text line. Scott Gomez, I don't feel, played for Ottawa, did he? He Played in Montreal. Oh, wow. Scott Gomez did play in Ottawa. Shouts to the text box. Big save. Former Surrey Eagle. Uh, 10% are there. New Jersey Devils and Dallas Stars. Uh, Jamie Langenbrunner?
1: Yes, definitely.
0: <laughs> Jason Arnott as well would have worked, I think.
3: Yeah. Joe Neuendijk.
0: Uh, We went with Langenbrunner. Uh, we got New Jersey Team USA. Uh,
1: Zach Parise. Or Parisi. Brian Gianta. Tied the game up, oh, 2010.
0: Yep. Sorry, I'm uh, going with uh, my good Italian boy, Brian Gianta. to close the uh, – Close the puzzle. Seventy-two uniqueness. Oh, well done, Puckdoku puzzle. As always, it's just guys naming dudes. That's uh, pretty much what it is. It makes it fun. Curtis Lazar. We missed out on uh, yeah. using Curtis Lazar for the Ottawa New Jersey Devils connection. Never forget. I think it was Curtis Lazar who ate the uh, hamburger that was on the yes, ice it was. during the Hamburger uh, yeah. Run at the end of the Ottawa Senators season. That was gross.
1: Yeah, because how long? How old was that hamburger?
0: I don't know. Why are you eating a uh, double cheeseburger that's been thrown onto the ice and smuggled into the building by a fan under an article of clothing? I would assume. Anton Volchenkov, great name. Wish we uh, wish we had used it. Uh, text box always brilliant with their answers for Pukdoku. Marcus, it's been fun last. It couple has, days. yeah, it's been great. And last week, good ride. Safe travels to Auburn, Washington. Yes,
1: thank you. Going to a concert this weekend. Looking forward to it.
0: And back to Poco as well.
1: <laughs> yes. Population 60,000, not 30. I was thinking 30 because it was 30 when I was growing up.
0: We got some funny text on uh, Poe Compton, as yeah. uh, I, I learned on the <laughs> Dunbar Lumber That's, you can text get message inbox. You
1: can get it on a T-shirt.
0: Uh, all right. Uh, Shouts to our producers today, Ben and Eddie, my co-hosts, Marcus, I'm Dan, and you, the listener. You've been listening to The People Show on Sports at 650.